Part 2 of 365 Daily Reading for December the 8th, the book of Jude. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for giving us instruction, moderation, ability to understand, and your love and your enthusiasm for this day, Lord. May we be happy today, Lord. May we be restored today. Thank you for healing all our diseases. Thank you for providing all our needs. Thank you for providing fellowship and love. Thank you for inventing laughter and joy. We are doing the deal, Lord, and we are an expectant. We look to you. Our confidence is in you, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for your love, and we, we receive it. We say yes. Lord, and we always want more love because we are addicts. You know, we can, more is always better. Lord, so we ask you for more love today, to that we concentrate confidence in you, that your love will be overflowing. Lord, your love is not here yet, but it will come if we should have it, it will surely come. Amen. It is written in your word, and we're going to ask for the order just for today. Just for today, we will ask for the order of your love, for the joy and the confidence that it brings, and the enthusiasm, and the payload that you'll open the windows of heaven and pour out on us, Lord. More than we can possibly handle, that we will be jumping around like a fish out of water, Lord. Just incredible. Thank you. Amen. And now for the reading of the book of Jude. Again, we're going to go ahead and read the commentaries before we get into the, uh, the small one-chapter book. It's actually 25 verses. So I'm going to try to make it simple. I'm going to go ahead and read a, a, a small commentary, and then I'll read the book of Jude. Um, and then I'll read the Psalms and the Proverbs for... December the 8th, <clears throat> and, but if you'd like to stay for more of the book of Jude on the Recovery Bible, I'm going to go ahead and read after the Proverbs uh, a lot of uh, commentaries on it, which will blow, your, will blow us out of the water. Huh. Well, bless us, the heavens will open. Amen. Here we go. Commentary. Jude's letter focused on apostasy. When people turn away from God's truth and embrace false teachings, he warns against false teachers who were probably agnostic. They claim to possess secret knowledge that gave them authority. Their hidden knowledge of God was esoteric, mystical, and beyond human understanding. Using their secret knowledge, they opposed two of the basic tenets of Christianity, that Christ had a human body and that Christians' faith required right living. They were weakened, the believers, Jude. They were weakened, the believers, Jude, wrote to combat these false teachings and strengthen the church. After warnings of people with clear examples from Israel's history, Jude outlined some important ways to help the church grow stronger. First, remember that the apostle said. Second, build up other believers. Third, pray. Finally, rely on Jesus' mercy. Amen. Whenever you experience uncertainty in your faith, it's helpful to spend time reading Scripture but it's also helpful to spend time with other believers. Encourage them and being encouraged. They can help you remember what's more important and refocus you. These are the ancestors to your faith. It is easy to get distracted and disoriented with secret doubts and historic questions. When that happens, sustain yourself with Bible prayer, other believers, and the hope for God's mercy. Amen. You know, in this commentary, the thing that jumped out on me is rely on Jesus' mercy. And one of the biggest problems we have as human beings is our imagination. Where, where do we address 
where do we put our imagination in? And I went to Korea, picked up a book over there called The Fourth Dimension from a successful pastor, Young Hee David Cho. And he built a church, almost a million members. And he said that uh, to put our, he needed an address to put his confidence in, his faith to drop an address. Where, where does God live? We need an address. And in my standpoint, you know, he's got a whole chapter on that. I highly recommend the book. It's called The Fourth Dimension by Dr. David Cho, C-H-O. But in my experience is the only how we finally rely on Jesus' mercy is just by the miracle of reading his words, reading his words and and extracting out of his words his mercy. And that's where our imagination, you know, I can be running down the road working, working, working and not reading for that day. And I can pray and pray, but if I have enough in my in my reading, then the words I can inspire myself. But it's easier for me to spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes reading his word and get activated with the mercies of, of Jesus. Where I'm forgiven, I'm restored, I'm good to go, I'm energized. All power and strength comes from the Lord. That's the beauty of reading the scriptures. And then we can expect a miracle when we read. Amen. Okay, now reading the book of Jude, chapter 1 through 25 says, This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all who have been called by God, the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have worm their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay with the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belong. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning to the eternal fires of God's judgment. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, defy authority and scoff at supernatural beings. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. But these people scoff at things they do not understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instinct tells them, and so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them, for they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money, and like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. When these people eat with you, In your fellowship, meals commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. 
They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving the, any rain. They are like trees in autumn that are boldly dead, for they bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots. They are like the wild waves of the sea, churning up the foam of their shameful deeds. They are like wandering stars, doomed forever to blackest darkness. Enoch, was, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, Listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and complainers, living only to satisfy their deeds. They brag loudly about themselves, and they flatter others to get what they want. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the Apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ said. They told you that in the last times they would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating division among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit in them. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith, praying in the power of the Holy Spirit, and wait, await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Who will bring you eternal life. This is the way you will keep yourself safe in God's love in this way. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great cautions, hating the sin that contaminate their lives. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God. Our Savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord, all glory, majesty, and power and authority are His before all time and in the presence and beyond. Amen and amen. Psalms 127. Unless the Lord builds a house, the works of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it, it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early in the morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat to God rest in the tabernacle. Anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are rewarded from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers in the city gates. Proverbs twenty nine fifteen. To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a moral but a mother, excuse me, is disgraced by an undisciplined child. When the wicked are in authority, sin flourishes, but the godly will live to see their downfall. Discipline your children, and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. Discipline your children, folks. Don't put it aside. Write it down. And they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. Amen. And if if you didn't discipline your kids and you don't have peace of mind or your heart is fearful for their for their lives that they're out in the uh, running amok, just start praising Jesus that they're running amok. Praising Jesus that they don't call you. Start thanking the Lord with a banjo and use your faith that God 
will strengthen you and heal them at the same time and restore them to useful usages. I'm speaking from experience. I just had a son visit me. He's conducting his business. He said, hi, left me some, brought me some stuff, left me some money. And it's just, you know, a good son. He gives me peace of mind. I don't have to worry about him driving night. I, I don't have worries over his life. And I'm sorry for the ones that do worry about their children. But listen to me. Try it. You'll like it. Get the banjo out, the flute, the guitar. If you played an instrument, start praising Jesus for your son's life. God is God. There is no other. If God is God, use him. He says, use me. Command me. Come on now. Give him a chance. Do it for 30 days, 90 days. Just make a letter and say, I, God, here I give you my son. I hereby declare this a covenant and sign it with your signature and date it and address it to God and put the son's name, daughter's name, and seal it. And then carry that envelope with you as you continue to make your commitment. Every time you see you live, I thank you for their lives just the way we are, Jesus. I thank you for their lives. Get the fear out of your heart. You're causing more damage being fearful and worried and sending them those signals. The other way you're going to send signals of love, peace, satisfaction, believing that they're fine. You got to believe first that the kids are fine before they will change. And that's on your part. That's where you're grown up enough to understand that you need new information to change and are stuck in your old baby ways because we didn't get that kind of teaching. Let's break out, folks. Let's be warriors and doers. Carry this message of love and hope. Expect a miracle. And now, amen, now I'm going to go for the reading of the Old of Jude, going back to Jude, we're going to go over some of the uh, exact things of Jude, get a little more in-depth into the book of Jude. Jude. Oh, Jude. Problems don't usually attack us head-on. They often come when we least expect them. Sometimes we're completely unaware of the dangers that certain people, ideas, or activities pose to us. June, Jude warns his readers about people who will try to lead them away from true faith in Jesus Christ by claiming that God's grace set them free to do whatever they want. Our society often proclaims a similar message. Boundaries to behavior are considered limiting and destructive. Most of us have discovered firsthand, however, that this teaching leads to painful bondage. We should take Jews' warnings seriously. We should avoid people and activities that could lead us back into slavery. Addiction. The only road to freedom is God's program for a healthy living. Jude reminded his readers that the false teachers among them would suffer terrible consequences for their selfish and sinful lifestyles. We may be tempted to follow our old friends back into the pleasures of sinful habits. Jews' warnings can help us turn away from any such temptation. If we take part in destructive activities, we will be enslaved and then destroyed. If we plant seeds of righteousness by following God's will, we will receive God's blessings and help. True freedom can be found only through a vibrant relationship with God. God's word is reliable and true. It warns us before people who might try to hinder our spiritual growth. When we learn to expect such people, we can prepare to stand firm against the temptations that bring us by learning to recognize our weaknesses, walking humbly, and depending on the Holy Spirit guidance. We can shun the things that tears us down when we encourage others in recovery the story we tell must be clear and consistent 
with our lifestyle. We can share God's message of hope by showing others the kind of selfless love that God has already shown to us. We cannot live this way under our own power. We can do it only by receiving the power God offers through His Holy Spirit. In the same way, these people who claim, oh, excuse me, <laughs> I mean, as we grapple with our addictions and problems, we are likely to avoid honest communication with others about our problems, situations. It is important, however, that we return to the relationship that will help us face the truth. Paul, in his writings, spoke about the value of honesty. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. Ephesians 4.25 Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, reminded his readers that they were to deal honestly and directly with those who were doing wrong. Show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Show mercies to still others, but to do so with great caution, hating the sin that contaminate their lives. Amen. Jesus even gave specific instructions for dealing with people who have done wrong, but persist in denying it. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out that offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful... Take one or two others with you and go back again for that, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses and the person still refuses to lose you, refuses to listen. Take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church decision, treat the person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. <laughs> That's a little deep, folks. In other words... Oh, well, okay. Uh, accountability. I like to read that in the Message Bible or the um, Passion Translation. That was Matthew 18, 15 to 17. So we'll do that. I just have to go find my those readings. Accountability and honesty in our relationship are essential to successful recovery. When we make ourselves accountable to others, the caring influence of godly friends can keep us on the right track. They can provide us with an object prosperity. Excuse me, object perspective. Helping us to admit results of our shame or fear that we will be rejected if we ever reveal who we really are. Admitting our wrongs to trustworthy people help break down the isolation. Amen. So I'd like to ask you if you to be your temporary sponsor. I'd like to ask you to be your sponsor. I'd like to ask you for you to write down your fourth and fifth step of all your hates, hurts, and, and nonsense. And then read it to me. Read it to my voice. The Holy Spirit is there. Holy Spirit is listening. You know, that's just the beginning of one process. Later on, you can say it to somebody open face-to-face. But right now... It should stay on the paper when you read it to me. It should stay on that. And you just act and move by faith. And I'm there in spirit, in the spirit of God and in truth. Amen. I don't know why I said that, but from experience, it works. Once you write it down, you're there with God. You're writing down all the incidents and the situations that happen, admitting your part. And then... You read it to me, to, to my voice. And then you do that many times throughout your lifetime. Whenever you get bogged down with situations, you get a stranger, if you want, and tell them all your stories. Tell them all your nonsense and ugliest stuff. They'll never see you again, but you've done one righteous act. You got rid of it. And the way God prescribes it on his word, it was nothing healing for our souls. Amen. God bless you. Keep thanking heaven. And let's go ahead and uh, close with the uh, Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back. Thank you for coming to tonight's podcast. 365 Bible study with Fernando and Anna. Right now, Anna is taking care of her parents. They're getting up in age. Thank God we got parents, in-laws to take care of. She goes over there in the holidays. So that's why I only been broadcasting. I love you. God bless you. Happy, good, holy days are upon you in Jesus' name. Reading for today is December the 4th. Daniel chapter 11, 30, verse 36 to 12, 13. So please get your Bibles out. <clears throat> As it is my custom, I'm going to read the commentaries from the New Living Testament in both the Recovery Bible and the 365 Bible. And we pray that we will increase with this Bible in knowledge and the blessings of the Word of God, that God is in His Word. And He comes alive in His Word to heal us, establish us, and cause us to shine and work for Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord God, that we are in this to win it. Because Jesus Christ said, I have overcome the world. So, be a good cheer. Be a good cheer. Lord, we thank you for every circumstance, every situation. We thank you for every person that's in the hospital, every person that's sick, Lord. We just thank you and we declare them whole, heal, and established in the words of God, in the word of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we plead the blood of Jesus upon them that they will be healed by the stripes of Jesus. They are healed and made whole. We thank you for their lives, Lord, just the way they are, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, now. All right, today's study, Daniel chapter 12. Daniel 12, 2 clearly refers to the resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Although the eternal destiny of each will be quite different, up to this point, teaching about the resurrection was not common. Although every Israelite believed that one day he or she would be included in the restoration of the new kingdom. This revelation of bodily resurrection of both the saved and the lost was a sharp departure from common belief. By now, Daniel was an old man who had been faithful to God throughout his years. God assured Daniel that he would rise from the dead and receive his portion in God's eternal kingdom. But Daniel was not to spend the rest of his life wondering what his visions might mean. Instead, he was to rest in the comfort of God's sovereignty and look forward to the time when he would rise to receive and share eternal life with God. God does not reveal everything to us in this life. We must be content with the partial picture until he wants us to see more. Our main focus should not be on determining when these things will happen, but in remaining, remaining faithful to God. Amen and amen. And I, I have experienced that. That is so important that we remain faithful in obedience. We don't have to know the future. That becomes addictive. We are good to go here. Jesus said, be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's all I know I need to know. Amen. Now, let's talk a little bit about recovery. Stumbling in recovery or sin can serve to cleanse and strengthen us. We can look at the times we stumble as a weight lifter looks at weights. If they weren't hard to lift, he wouldn't gain any muscle. At first, we might stumble a lot, but as we struggle, we grow stronger. Eventually, we will be able to resist greater and greater temptation where we once would have fallen. Through these spiritual workouts, we gradually are transformed from weaklings into strong people. I know I read that already in the last segment. But I want to emphasize again that if you fall, you 
I would suggest you say, I thank you, God, I fell. If you're in the midst of the falling and, you, and the Holy Spirit is right with you and you're doing, say, gambling or yelling and screaming, say, I thank you, God, I scream. Or say, for instance, you lost, you flew off the handle like I did, or you were jealous like I was. And uh, after the eighth time of going to the bathroom and thanking God, the venom spilled out of my mouth. Thank you, God, like if it was a good thing. I get on my knees in the bathroom, and then I take control of myself, and I start thanking God that I did wrong. That, my friends, proved to be the antidote. That, my friends, allowed God to enter my will and, and dig underneath the problem and root it out through thanksgiving. <clears throat> the Lord will root out the problem if you thank him, before the problem, you're going to go gamble. <clears throat> During the gambling and after the loss, and you get that, that feeling of loss. <clears throat> the problem is we're addicted to the feelings of loss. You know what I mean? <clears throat> We've been trying to fix that with our own strength and our own power. <clears throat> and all it does, <clears throat> excuse me, it just fills that problem. So <clears throat> more and more. <clears throat> The problem is, is that God is God, and we're trying to run God's agenda. <clears throat> By thanking God for the problem, we become humble, and that's the objective. We purge ourselves from pride, ego, selfishness, arrogance. Uh, any evil that may be lurking inside our system, is it is purged. <clears throat> and it takes a while to soak the ground around that rooted tree that's giving bad fruit so as soon as we keep praising him and thanking him that we're misfits that we missed it <clears throat> that tree will be uprooted and gone and we will become humble <clears throat> amen all right as we face recovery or sin we would probably like to believe that life will never again be as painful as it was before sinful acts or recovery that, however, cannot be a guarantee. Prior to the resurrection uh, at the end of the age, there will be a time of unparalleled suffering for God's people. And between now and then, there will be consistent tribulation for God's people. <clears throat> While we may have faith, courage, and wisdom during that time, we will never have answers to all our questions in this life. However, we have the assurance that we will live forever with God and understand everything in the end. Amen. Well, keep on thanking God and reading Psalms where it says that nothing will harm you, that all the Lord will protect us, and that the Word of God is our shield. Suffering comes because we don't have the shield up. We're not reading Psalms 18. We're not reading Psalms 23, Psalm 91, Psalm 103, Psalm 20, Psalm 120. We're not into the Word of God, so it's not in our consciousness. It's not around us and up in the air. <clears throat> so, to avoid hurts, lamentations, and frustrations, let's get into the Word of God. It's, the Lord says, I am your shield, your present help in times of trouble. Amen. The suffering that, that may have to endure by those in recovering will thankfully have a very positive effect. These difficult trials will teach us lessons that will help us in the future. But for those who deny God and the truth, there will be no learning and no purification. Through openness, honesty, and self-examination, we will gain recovery from sin and from bad habits and become the people God wants us to be. Amen. So go right to the to this tool of thanking God. Let's go to the tool of thanking God right away and, and purging ourselves. That, that way situations won't have to purge us. Amen. Thank you so much for hanging in there with me. And now for a reading of chapter 11 of Daniel, verse 36. The king will do as he pleases, exalting himself and claiming to be greater than every god. Even blaspheming the god of gods, 
He will succeed, but only until the time of wrath is completed. For what he has been determined will surely take place. For what has been determined will surely take place. He will have no respect for the gods of his ancestors and for the God loved by women or by any other God. For he will boast that he is greater than them all. Instead of these, he will worship the God of fortress, a God his ancestors never knew, and lavish on him gold, silver, precious stones, and expensive gifts. Claiming this foreign God's help, he will attack the strongest fortress. He will honor those who submit to him, appointing them to positions of authority and dividing the land among them as their reward. Then at the time of the end, the king of the south will attack the king of the north. The king of the north will storm out with chariots, charioteers, and vast navy. He will invade various lands and sweep through them like a flood. He will enter his glorious land of Israel, and many nations will fall. But Moab, Edom, and the best part of Ammon will escape. He will conquer many countries, and even Egypt will not escape. He will gain control over the gold, silver, and treasures of Egypt, and the Libyans, Ethiopians, will be his servants. But then news from the east and the north will alarm him. He will set out in great anger to destroy the and obliterate many. He will stop between the glorious holy mountains and the sea and will pitch his royal tents. But while he is there, his time will suddenly run out and no one will help him. At that time, Michael the archangel who stands guard over your nation will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and saw two others standing on opposite banks of the river. One of them asked the man dressed in linen, who was now standing above the river, how long would it be until these shocking events are over? The man dressed in linen, who was standing above the river, raised both his hands towards heaven and took a solemn oath by the one who lives forever, saying, it will go on for a time and time and half a time. When the shattering of the holy people are finally come to an end, all these things will have happened. I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. So I asked, how will all this finally end, my Lord? But he said, go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of, this, of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. From the time the daily sacrifice is stopped and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1,290 days. And blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go on your way until the end. As for you, I said, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful. Now, Daniel clearly teaches that the dead will be resurrected again. And Daniel himself will be promised this resurrection too. However, the resurrection will not be the same for all people. Two distinct groups of people will be raised. Those resurrected to experience new life and those resurrected to experience shame. Those two groups are distinguished by moral, ethical, and spiritual characteristics. The resurrection will unveil each person's true nature. And there will be an ethical and spiritual accounting to God's 
Most High. Spiritual accounting to God Most High. The first group will experience a new existence called everlasting life. Daniel 12, 2. The expression is found only here in the Old Testament. Everlasting life refers more to the quality of life than to its length. Those who are truly wise know, relate to, and experience God, and they teach others this righteousness and wisdom. Daniel 11.33 They are refined, cleansed, and made pure before their God. The moral and ethical glory of those resurrected in Daniel's first group is indicated by the metaphors. Shine as bright as the sky and shine like the stars forever. Daniel 12.3 The second group experienced everlasting shame and disgrace instead of everlasting life because they are not morally, ethically, or spiritually renewed. The New Testament book of Revelation expands upon these two groups of, of Daniel's vision. See Revelation 20, verses 4 and 6, and 11 and 15. Everlasting life destroys death. While Daniel recounts rescue from kings, fire, and lions, at the resurrection, God's people will finally be rescued from death. Amen and amen. And now a reading from 1 John. But before I read 1 John chapter 4, uh, the commentary, it says, uh, let's take a breather, relax for a moment. Let's call upon the Lord. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see what we just read about your word. Lord, let us, let's take time for the words to seep into our hearts. We thank you and we praise you for the resurrection of life. And we pray that we are in it with Jesus Christ. And we have faith and believe so. And we have confidence that it is a done deal in Jesus' name. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Full assurance in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit indicates it's a full assurance because we are always worried if we're in or not. So the Holy Spirit gives us full, that's a full assurance when you're worried. The person that's not worried is the person that don't even think about it, don't have an inclination. So if you're worrying, congratulations. You are part of the deal. We are part of the deal. Amen. Everyone believes that love is important, but love is usually thought as a feeling. In reality, love is a choice and an action. I said, love is a choice and an action. That's reality. As 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 7 shows, the real test of our love for God is how we treat the people right in front of us, our family, friends, co-workers, and fellow believers. John isn't telling us how many people to love, but how much to love the people we already know. Our job is to love faithfully the people God has given us to love. God is the source of all love, our love. We cannot truly love God while neglecting to love those who are created in his image. Jesus is our example of what it means to love. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to love. He lives in our hearts and makes us more and more like Christ. God's love always involves a choice and an action, and our love should be like his. How well do you display your love for God in the choices you make and the actions you take? Amen. And reading, no religious system, chapter 4, continuing on the commentary of John. It says, no religious system can be true if it denies that Jesus was God in a human body. A clear view of who Jesus is will help us develop a deeper relationship with God through prayer and studying his word. We can know that his will is and how to accomplish it in our lives. Even if other people don't understand or accept our new way of life, as we walk with God, we can know that he who lives in our hearts is stronger than our past and present struggles with sin. Recovery depends upon God's gift, and the most important among them is the provision of a Savior. The Father loved us enough to send His Son to save us. As we grow to be more like Him, we also grow in our ability to love others with sacrificial love. 
Many of us feel the recovery process would be greatly expedited if only we could see God. But God is usually seen by us only through his people when they love us and love each other. That is why it is so important for us to restore our relationship with the people we have harmed. That is also why we need the fellowship of believers, because we desperately need the love they can offer. Now, John spoke again about the importance of love. True Christianity is characterized by loving relationships, where there is no fear experienced in such relationships, first with God, then with other believers. It's at the heart of our recovery. We can trust God wholly without fear because the punishment of our sins have already taken place through Christ. Where love reigns, we can be open and vulnerable with fellow believers, trusting that our honesty will not be used to hurt us. Mature Christians love delights in helping others. Mature Christians love delights and Christian delights in helping others. It creates an environment in which we can develop accountability and a new sense of responsibility towards ourselves and to others. Amen. The reading of 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. You belong to God. You have already won a victory over those people because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God will listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. This is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, or God is love. Again, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Amen. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we may have life eternal through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loves us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but we, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us if we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love and live in God, are, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us.
because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, uh-oh, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people who we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Amen. Praying the Psalms. Lord, we pray for those ones that are needing your mercy, Lord. Forgive them, Lord. Establish them. And we also pray for those who are distressed by the scorn of others. <laughs> we are to thank God you're getting scorned. Okay? That's the instructions. Obey. Just keep at it. Keep thanking God for the scorn. For the Lord is trying to get pride, ego, um, self-assurance, and your own way of doing out of you. These situations happen because they, he loves us. He can turn everything to love and more love. Amen. Psalm 123, verses 1 through 4. I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. We keep looking for the Lord, our God, for his mercy. Just as servants keep their eyes on their masters. As a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal. Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy, for we have had our fill of contempt. We have had more than our fill of the scoffing of the proud and the contempt of the arrogant. Amen. Notice that the, 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 the proud scoff, okay? And the, and the arrogant contempt. So what was our part? Did we start the, the contempt with, with being our arrogant? Did we start the uh, scoffing by being proud? I'll bet you yes. We probably had something in as you say, no, no. Okay, then there's something else. We're not letting enough God in the sun inside of us. Proverbs 29, 2 and 4. When the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, they groan. The man who loves wisdom brings joy to his father. But if he hangs around with prostitutes, his wealth is wasted. A just king gives stability to his nation. But one who demands bribes destroys it. Amen. A just dad gives stability to his home, but one who demands bribes destroys it. Amen. Now we are the people that love wisdom and we bring joy to our Father in heaven. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Give them heaven, family. God bless you.